This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Nam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a great show today. We're going to be covering a lot of things today. Um, everything from what's happening to the Syrian Kurds to the deal of the century. Well, the deal of the century, we have to talk about it every single week. Well, the deal of the century... Because it's never going to be a deal. You know that. Exactly. But more and more details are coming out. It appears that Jared Kushner continues to be the center of so many investigations and controversies. Yet at the same time, he's in charge of the deal of the century, as well as everything else that's going on. But let's start with what's happening to the Syrian... Kurds, and unfortunately, what's happening to the Syrian Kurds is not that different from what has happened historically to many so called allies throughout the uh, Middle East, North Africa, Latin America. And basically, the U.S. strategy, as you know, Jamal, has been to cultivate allies in, in areas where the United States is interested in colonizing or interested in exercising its dominance or control. They partner themselves with communities that may be, um, you know, not a dominant community, maybe a, a, a minority community in a particular place. They give them all these promises. If you fight for us, if you surveil for us, if you do all these things, we're going to promise you all these wonderful things, independence, money, power, authority. And unfortunately, the Kurds throughout the world, whether they be Kurds from Syria or Turkey or from wherever, the Kurds have been made promises for decades, Jamal, and they've always been disappointed. So mm-hmm. my, my question to you is, is this another example of here we go again? It is here we go again. We've seen this scenario play its course in Iraq. We've seen it other places and other with other minor, minority groups. And uh, so as of this week, because the uh, Syrian Kurdish allies of the United States uh, and they are basically um, under the umbrella of the U.S.-backed so-called Syrian Democratic Forces. So we have to also to kind of look at it from that perspective, you know, because Syrian Kurds historically did not uh, get uh, involved in as far as uh, the early confrontations, Jess. Right. And they actually supported uh, the regime of uh, Bashar al-Assad. And so after they've joined the uh, this coalition that the United States uh, put together under the umbrella of uh, the democratic forces, they were pro- promised a- autonomy and perhaps even the beginning of the so-called Kurdistan. In other words, they can have autonomy and eventually join forces with the you know, Kurds in uh, Iraq. First of all, of course, it's going to be almost impossible to join uh, you know, with, the, uh, with the Kurds in Turkey and in Iran. Because uh, you know, for our listeners, this is according to you know, what uh, the Kurds will describe as their homeland, which is Kurdistan, which stretches between Iran, Turkey, Syria... You know, mostly this is most of the territory and Iraq. So they were looking for a primer. The initial primer was Iraq. Right. And Iraq, remember, this is when the whole story about, uh, you know, let's save the Kurds from Saddam Hussein. And then it became 
the WMD stories and so forth, Kurdistan uh, in Iraq was pretty much autonomous. Yeah, you for know, the most part. For the most part. Not anymore. No, it's gotten much worse. Yeah, so not anymore. So the whole concept, the whole plan to separate Kurdish Iraq from Iraq has failed. And so they made the same promises, meaning the United States and other allies. They've made the same promises to the Kurds who have been historically supporters of, um, you know, the Assad regime. That's right. You know, and, and unfortunately they fell for it. And now they just got a wake-up call what's, what's the wake from up? the ambassador James Jeffrey, the U.S. special representative for Syria engagement and, and the special envoy to the global coalition. He has a big title, Coalition to Defeat ISIS. That's he said to them yesterday, Wednesday, that there would not be an independent Kurdish state in Syria. Well, let's. So here are promises, promises, promises. But Jamal, my question to you is: Why would the Kurds go down that path again? They have been screwed, let down, disappointed, made promises for decades, and yet they they fell for this again. You know, they well, they did some really well, let me, let serious me say, let fighting. Me, yeah, but let me say something as a Palestinian American and and as someone who uh, his community has been fighting for seven decade, decades for independence, I sympathize with the Kurds. I sympathize, but I don't, and, I don't understand and they, why they, they would are, believe it They again. are entitled to have their own state, just like everyone else. Absolutely. Some people are against this idea, even though their state, and we go back to the Sykes-Pico now, we can go all the way back to the, uh, also the breakup of the Ottoman Empire, and they, again, got thrown under the bus, just like the Palestinians, because everyone, you know, they, you, you formed all these different countries and so forth, but the Kurds never got anything. So now they have been broken into four, into four countries, Syria, Iraq, uh, Turkey, and Iran, right? And so every time, and this is their big mistake, that instead of working within the system or working within the communities that they have been part of, and it's very important to know that the Kurds are indigenous people. They're indigenous. They're part and parcel of these countries. They're part of par parcel of the Arab world, even though they are not identified as Arabs. They don't speak Arabic. They're part. They do. I mean, they actually uh, bilingual but, in many cases. Yeah, but that's not their yeah, primary. They're part their and parcel of the Islamic world, if you want to put it as this. And just a reminder to people who follow Islamic history, and especially Palestinians, it was Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi who liberated Jerusalem and defeated the Crusades, and he was a Kurd. People don't know that. Salah well, his last Ayyubi. name was Al-Kurdi, wasn't it? Uh, Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi. Al-Kurdi. Uh, wasn't I don't know. It? It's his t a title, like everybody yeah. that comes from from Kurdistan, and so whatever. So they're part and parcel of this whole uh, history of the whole Middle East. They're indigenous. They've they've got shafted uh, from the time of the Sykes-Pico agreement, and every time they see a glimmer of hope, and I think they've been played, and that's the thing, they they've been played, and and that's what you know you were alluding to. And they've been but played, this is, but this is not the time first. and time again. Yeah, and this is not the first time. Listen, we are four 
sovereignty. We are for independence. The Kurds absolutely have that, you know, non-negotiable right to do that. But they've been played by the Turks. They've been played by the Americans. They've been played by other colonial powers time and time again. They do the heavy lifting. They, they, you know, they, they fight. They're fighters. You know, they have a, a reputation of being really good fighters. And yet again, okay, promises, the, promises. But also, I want to make a distinction between, for example, the Kurds in Iraq and the Kurds in Syria. And this is the this, this is an important distinction. The Kurds in Iraq had had and had a history with Saddam Hussein. I mean, uh, yeah. obviously he attacked them. Obviously he wanted to oppress them. And they were never uh, integrated within the Iraqi society. Not the Syrians, uh, not the Kurds of Syria. Right. So the Kurds of Syria, up to 2011, I would say, up to 2011, they were just like the rest of the Syrians. The rest of the Syrians, they were surprised by what was going on. They understood quickly that there were conspiracies. Yes, they were. They're just like any other group who were dissatisfied with the regime, right? Right. But they were also surprised that now fighters coming, basic, basically mercenary fighters crossing over from Iraq. Other players are trying to break up the country. Uh, financed by Saudi Arabia, some some financed by the Turkey, some financed by NATO, and so forth. And so, just like the other groups, they were trying to keep Syria intact until 2000, late 2011, when they quickly saw an opportunity, and then that's I said saw an opportunity to carve out an autonomous autonomous area, basically covering much of the northeast of Syria with the hopes that, okay, now the country is in turmoil and, oh, maybe this is our opportunity to have our own state. And their mistake was... Believing to, it. To believe, not to believe it, to gamble on the United States, but NATO, and others. People for all time and time again. This is what happened in, in Iraq. So they gambled and they told them, yeah, 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 if you fight with us, if you, if you join the... Uh, the Free Syrian Army and all these different uh, groups that they, that were formed there, then you're going to get your state, right? So, so. Well, I, 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 you know, Jamal, I have the same feeling, you know, and I sympathize. I understand. And listen, the Kurds are not the first oppressed people uh, to be fooled multiple times. We as Palestinians have been fooled multiple times too. We put our hopes, not all of us, but some in the leadership put their hopes in the Oslo Agreement. They put their hopes in many different, you know, um, opportunities with fake ideas and fake promises for independence. And they've all, they've all crashed and burned. The, right. Cur the Kurds, unfortunately, have been played by the superpowers forever. And um, it's, it's tragic that they're going to be played again. My question now is, with whom are they going to align themselves now? Well, this is this is actually the. It's uh, not clear who they're going to align. No, themselves. no, this is a very important question because the United States yesterday, point blank, told them, "Forget about it. You're not getting a state. You have to be part of the Syria peaceful, whatever some some it's pipe dream, some pipe dream that the United States is going to be able to solve or resolve in Syria." 
they've already alienated themselves now. They're seen as enemies, enemies <laughs> because they have conspired against the regime. That's right. They've conspired against their neighbors, against the Sunnis, the Alawites, wherever, trying to break up the country. So how to bring them back? I mean, they have an uphill battle. I mean, for me, why even go? Why even go there? Because Syria has multiple enemies. It's under attack. It's not, you know. I mean, Syria is a really a very sad case where you have, it's a proxy war created by Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Qatar, NATO, all these different forces. Uh, Israel is involved. Everyone wants a chunk out of Syria. Everyone wants a piece of uh, out of Syria. And instead of, you know, bonding together as a, as different communities, whether you are a, a Sunni or Shia or whatever, to protect your country against those mercenaries, people who are fighting in Syria, the so-called ISIS, they came from to, as far as Tunisia and Morocco and, 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 and their Shashans, and I don't know from where. You know, they're paid $500 a month. Actually, all over the world. All over the world to, find, to fight in Syria because the United States left a porous border between Iraq and Syria. You know, I was in Syria. You know, I was in Libya. You know, I was in Tunisia. And I covered all these uh, so-called uh, uprisings or Arab Spring. You know, just the same uh, um, Toyota trucks <laughs> with the anti-aircraft guns right, right. that I've seen in Libya, they ended up in Syria. Who bought them? The I can Kurds. tell you. Well, the Americans for the Kurds. No, I'll tell you. The money came from Saudi Arabia. They bought the trucks. The anti-aircraft guns came from NATO, courtesy of NATO. Who transported them? Maybe Qatar paid for that. Who allowed them into the country? Maybe Iraq, Allah, Turkey. How do they cross? How did they cross? They didn't land, you know, by parachutes there. That's right. You know, so there is a massive comp uh, a conspiracy to basically break up, break up Syria, just like they tried in Iraq, and and the Kurds fell to into it by start by being the first, the first ones to say, okay. We're Kurds. We want to be, we're, you know, we're forming Kurdistan. And now the next thing now, the Alawites will say, well, we're going to protect Damascus because this, that's the enclave for uh, Bashar al-Assad. We're going to break up from Syria. Then the Shiites will say something. Then the Sunnis. Then you have the Christians. And they have, this is the plan to break up Syria into four countries. Just like the Kurds. Well, here's the problem. The same thing that happened to the Kurds, Jamal, is going to happen to, is what the plan is for Syria. They do want to break up Syria into four or more parts. Actually, what I believe is, is that it's not that they want to break up Syria into four parts. They want to make sure that Syria is destabilized for the foreseeable future. They want to make sure that Syria can never thrive or prosper as a sovereign, independent country. They want to make sure that the same thing that happened in, that, that happened in Iraq, Jamal, and its devastation and fragmentation, they want the same thing to happen in Syria. They want it forever to be fragmented and not united in any way. So you think that with that history and the Kurds knowing that history of what happened to them, the same thing is going to happen to Syria. And I think we should go back to your point. Who's going to align themselves? I mean, Bashar al-Assad, whether you're for or against him, the bottom line is, Jamal, he has consolidated his power in and around Damascus. Nobody predicted Bashar al-Assad would continue to be 
have any power, let alone continue to have, you know, Damascus be stable at this point. So the Kurds not only got screwed by the Americans and the NATO allies, they're they're in for a really tough time. They are in. They are in. They've been thrown under the bus. And unfortunately for them, the result is going to be be ugly. ugly. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. So you're listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. And we want to also welcome our viewers on Facebook Live. I want to shift gears. And it's actually it's not the same to... story we keep going over and over. <laughs> but it because, gets more interesting. Because it gets more interesting. And when we want to keep updating our listeners about the so-called uh, deal of uh, no deal of the century. I feel like deal of the century. I feel like I'm in, in Vegas. Oh, let's have the deal of the century. And actually, it start, started to look and sound like... A, a gamble. It is a gamble. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about deal of the century, and of course, for us, it's a no deal of the century. It's the biggest con of the century. It is the biggest. You con. know, with the with with the big big C and a big O and a big N. You know, this is Kushner's Trump's invention. So, yes, the deal of the century is no longer deal of the century. It's the peace conference, economic peace conference of Bahrain. Well, it's the, inter- I mean, but it's and, and I will tell you a little bit about this because yeah. now, the, uh, you know, the news came. We've been updating you about the different fragments and segments and leaks and how they are they are going to be dealing with the so-called deal of the century, and then uh, this this past few days, you know, we are uh, we, we 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 get these reports saying, hey, there's going to be a uh, economic conference in Bahrain. To improve the life of Palestinians, the life of Palestinians. Right, come all, come, come all one, there. Come all. So we're not. We, we, there are no. There are no. There are going to be no talks about Peace. territory or no. You know, it's just how can we improve the lives of Palestinians? We need the Saudis. We need the Qataris. We need, of course, the United States. But here's the, the thing. EU to put some money. Here's the thing, Jamal. There won't be any Palestinians. Yeah, exactly. So their invitations, <laughs> invitations have been issued. None for the Palestinians. Not only, well, no, they have been actually issued. And uh, for example, accepted. for example, uh, Munib Masri, who is a, a uh, billionaire, billionaire Palestinian, he recently tweeted saying that he was invited, but he's not going. Well, of course he's, he's not, not going to be fooled of, by this. Of course he's not going to go, Jamal, of course. So they're not getting any Palestinian buyers, right? Why would they? But again, I want to take us back a little bit, and let's let's think about logic, right? Just think about logic and what this entails. And this is what they're telling me, telling you, telling the 13 million-plus Palestinians across the world. Trust us. <laughs> <laughs> we are giving your capital, Jerusalem, to Israel. We're allowing Israel to keep all its settlements and, and take all the land. We've driven you into poverty. We're destroying that. Half the, that you have almost half the Palestinian uh, population in diaspora. We've living in refugee camps, many of them living in refugee camps. We destroyed the economy. Israel destroyed has destroyed Gaza. the economy. De- destroyed Gaza. We've, we've installed basically an entity, which is the PA, which basically even destroyed the economy further. And so now, and now, oh, by the way, after we made you poor, 
and made you live in, in refugee camps. Let's talk about improving your lives and economy. In other words, you know what they're telling you? They want to give, put us on welfare. This is it. Well, that's what After I they stole the country, after yeah. they ethnically cleansed it of its population, and they're saying, oh, we're going to give you a few, few dollars. And of course, you know, th- this money, if there is a deal, if there is an economic, economical improvement, it's going to go to the thieves. It's not going to go well, to the people. Well, that's right, Jamal. What I said... What I said last week is that it's a it's a plantation mentality mentality and plan. So when there was when in the first phase of slavery in the United States, because we still have it here, but in the first phase of slavery, the 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 slaves in the field were given if they were paid, they were given a pittance. But with what little money they had, they were still indentured. They still had to work as slaves. And if they wanted to buy things, Guess where they had to go? They had to go to the slave master's store. And that's where Palestinians buy their goods and products from Israel. That's exactly my point. So the Grand Kushner Peace Plan is just a plantation plan to enslave Palestinians on their land, to isolate Gaza further, to to fragment the Palestinians even more, because they're going to leave Gaza out of this equation, by the way. This is just for Palestinians living in the West no, Bank. No, no, they said you can be part of it, but you have to disarm. Well, that's not going to happen. It's not going to include the Palestinians living in 48. It's not going to include the Palestinians in the diaspora. It's not going to, in fact, it's not going to include the majority of Palestinians. So, Jamal, we've gone from the grand Kushner-Trump peace plan to a plantation slavery uh, economic plan for, for Palestinians to take little pennies that they should be grateful for. Even, to work if, as even if we're talking about billions, we're not talking about pennies, still or, pennies or billions. No, it's still pennies. But even Palestine, ladies and gentlemen, is not for sale. Well, we should, we should it's make It's not sh- for sale. Well, and I know somebody is going to tell me, yeah, but they sold it a long time ago. No, they didn't. No, they, they, they did not. They did okay, not. Palestine is not for sale. That's the quick answer. And if anyone has some cojones, I can say cojones. I don't think you could say that on no, KPO. Okay. <laughs> if they have, uh, they will send a message, a quick message to, Jared to Kush- Trump and Kushner and company and Friedman, etc. Palestine is not for sale. That's the quick answer. <clears throat> well, I, I think that message should be delivered to Kushner, Trump and Friedman. But I also think that that message needs to be delivered to anybody in Palestine who is under the delusion uh, that they can go to Bahrain and, and, and be part of this fake, illegitimate process of somehow bringing uh, economic prosperity to oppressed people. It's a big joke. So anybody who has this brilliant, and you know, unfortunately, we ha- and we have to be honest about this, Jamal, some Palestinians have been bought off with promises of economic benefit if they would speak on behalf of the Palestinians. I mean, a lot of what happened to the PA from Oslo to this day until they woke up a little bit, that was part of the deal. There should not be a Palestinian anywhere who is going to be part of this this crazy Bahraini uh, uh, Kushner plan. And Munib Masri, of course he's not going to go. I mean, I mean, for whatever his politics are, I mean, he's a multi-billionaire. He's the telecom. He's well, the telecom well, well, giant. Well, to be to be uh, also frank, there is fear that some will cl- cross the picket line. 
you know well they you know because of their be, own interests of course and they should be called out man you know they and be and, and out. that's why in a way there was a quick answer saying no i was invited i'm not going to be part of it and and so forth but i think but they will find and and this is maybe not shocking to you and or to me or anyone else they will find some people who are selfishly will think that they can benefit from this benefit from this and negotiate on behalf of Palestinians and then they'll be paraded you know they're looking for they're looking for the remember Shalabi of yeah, Iraq right. so they're looking for the Palestinian Shalabi yeah i don't know if uh, i want to remind people about Ahmed Shalabi in the beginning right with after iraq. with with iraq right. the united states paraded him that he was the negotiator and he's gonna exactly so sadly in every every society they might find one but we have to have a quick message and the quick message that palestine is not for sale but isn't it interesting and i want to talk about jared kushner here in a minute that the grand peace plan remember donald trump said this in front of the world jamal he said this is not that difficult to solve. I know it's been difficult, but my son-in-law, Jared Kushner, if anybody can solve this problem, Jared can. And of course, we've been documenting in, in painful detail the complete and utter failure of Jared Kushner to do anything. The Palestinians are not involved in the process. MBS ends up murdering uh, uh, a journalist in the United States, you know, um, the Qataris have their own issues. I mean, all of the players that were involved, Benjamin Netanyahu will probably get indicted at some point. He still is unable to form a coalition government. All these grand plans, all this grand bargain has been a complete failure. So just like Jared Kushner, and it, we should note, by the way, Jamal, that Jared Kushner has been receiving excessive pressure. He lost a pretty significant legal case this week, Jamal, because he had sued not to release his doc his financial documents from Deutsche Bank. Part of what has been reported by the New York Times and the Washington Post is that uh, insiders at Deutsche Bank had identified kind of uh, worrisome transactions in Jared Kushner's account, that large sums of money most likely from Russians and Russian oligarchs, were being transferred in large amounts to Jared Kushner's account. That's a red flag for, you know, money laundering. Mm -hmm. And some uh, whistleblowers inside of Deutsche Bank, you know, kind of sent up, hey, what's going on? And they were told in no uncertain terms, you know, don't worry about it. We have this covered. Basically, Kushner well, was also, allowed to do well, this. Well, also, also Trump, uh, same with Trump has been uh, losing in a way it's that the same that, same lawsuits. The yeah. wall that he has built uh, around his finances is now finding cracks in it. Well, yeah. So he, so he cannot. Two things have happened with Trump. Jamal. People are going to be surprised when we get right. hold of his tax, tax forms. So what happened this week also? Uh, your former state, the state of New York, passed a law that if the U.S. Congress requested the state tax returns. They can give them. They can give them. And the state tax returns pretty much is a, are they're a they're duplicate. They're very similar. Yeah, they're very. So, so guess what happened today? The request, Congress <laughs> requested, <laughs> requested them. And you're so going to find. You're going to find a lot we of know, dirty deals. We know like no, in eight years he didn't make any money. Yeah, he lost money in eight years. I he, mean, 
Well, he the lost billionaire. He lost billions, billions of dollars over the course of. Uh, I mean, how do you lose a billion dollars? My point being is that Trump can lose a billion. Uh, uh, apparently, quickly. but my point is with Jared Kushner, who has this shady history, whose family has this shady history, a person who essentially, you know, when we're talking about the 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 scandal with all these people kind of buying their way into schools. Kushner and his family were doing that with Jared a long time ago, giving lots of money to Harvard, and all of a sudden Jared Kushner gets accepted into Harvard. Uh, Jared Kushner does not have a history of diplomacy, of being a diplomat. He doesn't have a history of being a public servant, and he was tasked with this grand plan of, of bringing peace to the Middle East. He has been an absolute disaster, Jamal, and I still have the idea. Okay. Here My prediction. Again. Here you go again. <laughs> I still am holding by the prediction that before the end of the year, there will be indictments of Jared Kushner. I mean, he. By? I think it's going to be by the state of New York. I don't think it's going to come from the Mueller, uh, consequences of the Mueller uh, probe. I think it's going to come from the state because as it turns out. Okay, Kushner well, I just have to remind you, you said last year he was going to get indicted before the end of the year right so and we're talking about 2019 i'm talking 2019 that's right okay. so you know we'll see by the way you're listening to kpoo in san francisco we're at 89.5 fm this is arab talk with justin jamal we're broadcasting live on facebook live at jamal dajani 2 and you can also listen to us streaming at uh, kpoo.com yeah i still think you know there's there's a lot of things going on with this, Jamal, obviously having to do with the probes. I mean, there are, you know, probably 20 open probes uh, going on right now with Trump and his associates. Kushner is all over the Mueller investigation in some ways. For some reason, the Congress is not seeking to bring him, to send him a subpoena to testify yet. That's why I believe that it's at the state level. Uh, that we're going to his demise will be seen at this. Yeah, and I think it's probably going to be the same for Donald Trump. Okay, uh, let's move on to another topic: uh, Islamophobia. <laughs> again, well, here we go. And again. I'm just going to talk. A little, you know, I mean, uh, listen. There was a new poll released, and I don't think this will be a surprise to you. A new poll released by the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding. Uh, they released a poll looking at uh, Islamophobia in the United States. And? So all, of all the, they, they surveyed uh, Muslims, Christians, uh, Jews, Protestants, etc., white evangelists, and, and so on. So the poll conclusion is not going to be uh, surprising. Uh, so basically the poll, you know, and I'm just uh, giving you the um, summary of it, they found that white evangelicals are the most Islamophobic <laughs> Americans in the country. So is this a surprise? Well, of course it's not a surprise, Jamal. Of course, you know, there's nothing about this that it's a surprise. I mean, let's, let's not forget that it was Donald Trump who said to a cheering crowd, you know, there's good people on both sides, and he was speaking about you know, white supremacists who were, you know, 
carrying the uh, Confederate flag and carrying torches saying Jews will not, uh, uh, what did they say? Something, they said something, uh, anyways, spewing out all this kind of racist, anti-Semitic uh, rhetoric. So is it a surprise to me that they're the most Islamophobic? Absolutely not. In fact, I think if you look at the numbers, because I think the numbers are right there, yes, they're the most Islamophobic, but they're not that, everyone else is not that far behind, right? What, what do the other numbers look like? Uh, well, they have different, uh, like uh, one question was uh, basically, you know, negative view of Muslims right. versus positive view or favorable view, favorable, un unfavorable, and, and, so, and so forth. So white evangelicals um, are on as the far top. as the top as far as on unfavorable view of Muslims, followed by Protestant, uh, followed by uh, Catholics, okay, followed by non-affiliated different groups, and followed by uh, Jewish, which is actually one of the lowest, thirteen percent. Well, that makes versus, sense. Versus you know as far as. Uh, discrimination and or looking at Muslims in a in an unfair favorable way but in general it kind of fits in the pattern of why you see these Islamophobia where it's coming from who are the leaders what's their background so which is no uh, surprise. you know yeah and and uh, our friend here, Matt, says in Charlottesville, racists or the anti-Semites, they're the ones who said Jews will not replace us. Oh, so if Jews you remember will not that. replace us, right. So they probably, they also, uh, this is this poll is just about Islamophobia, but we know that if uh, Islamophobes are anti-Semites, they are racist, they all feed uh, from one or the other. You know, but so you know, like, when you said about Islamophobia, I thought you were going to bring up another topic. Well, I, I just wanted to start with this. Okay. And, and then, but this, th this is not breaking news. No, no. Th but this is a poll. At least now we know the percentages. There's, it's a whole study that people. But do uh, we the really? People can go uh, to the site uh, for the uh, the the uh, people who conducted the survey, the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding, and you could break it down by percentages and see their questions and see the answers. Yeah, this is not breaking news, but on. Along the lines of Islamophobia, let's talk about the intersection of Islamophobia with free speech, Jamal, because a big article just came out in the Jerusalem Post, and we've been hearing rumblings about this. One of the individuals that we've had on the show multiple times, Professor Rabab Abdelhadi, gave a very, you know, gave a very powerful and strong public lecture at UCLA, you know, last week. And we may have her next week in oh, person which will be if she comes. She's out of town. Okay. But we may have her. And that's why I didn't go there. Because, but we should talk a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, we will because it's all connected. It's all connected. You know, when you talk about Ilhan, Representative Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and others, and then you go to all these different. Uh, well, the reason I bring up this one, Jamal, is because uh, Professor Abdul Hadi, listeners will know who have been listening to our show, that she has been under a particularly vicious attack, and she's a woman, she's Palestinian, she's Muslim. So she, she has the, the triad of hate in this country. That's right. You know, there's just, she can be targeted at every single level. We used to think that in the academy and within academics, there was a special place 
for free speech, for the exchange of ideas. You you used the word we used to. We used to <laughs> we used to just, believe that. Okay. But uh, Professor Abdul Hadi was giving a lecture last week, a public lecture, and she was talking about basically freedom, self determination, and uh, you know just kind of what's happening in Palestine right now from the global kind of political perspective. And of course, of course, the fallout from her being able to speak her mind and to use words like Zionism, white supremacy, words that get used well, all the Well, basically time. the trigger that what created trigger? this whole thing is that she compared Israeli colonial settlers to white supremacists. But we have, you and I have made that comparison Multiple times. Hundreds of times. Um, I will tell you that in the academy and within the academic circles, that comparison, because they are settlers, they are colonial settlers. That's right. They identify as being settlers. Jamal, they're called settlers. <laughs> well, basically, basically, once she said that, she came under uh, attack. another attack because she's been under several attacks. Calling, uh, you know, um, I guess the provost in, at UCLA and the president, whatever, not to invite her again and to complain about her to San Francisco State University. And including, including and then including an article by uh, in the Jerusalem Post, which you've mentioned. And I have to say something, and that's why I've actually tweeted about this. The Jerusalem Post never had a reporter in their room. They didn't have a reporter. No, they didn't have room. a reporter in Los so Angeles. They took they, no, no, they didn't. They they admitted they took bits and pieces from the I think the forward. Uh, other people wrote something. They compiled the thing. They used as evidence things from Campus Watch and Canary Mission. I mean, we've exposed these two hack operations, which yeah, w terrible, terrible. You know, we talked multiple times about Canary Mission and Campus Watch and who funds them. And they are there put together to stalk Islamophobia in this country and silence academics and students from criticizing Israel. So they use them as an example. Never interviewed Dr. Rabab Abdel Hadi or gotten a statement from her. And by the way, Yes, there is a video of her, of her whole lecture I that is posted online. They didn't bother to look at the video, to look at the video and to see and to quote her correctly and to see what the reaction from the students and the questions and so forth. Jamal, what was the title so, of the Jerusalem Post article? I'm uh, just curious. Uh, let me look it up because I because, think yeah. I think the title. Let's talk about a paper where they did not have a reporter on site. They're using. Uh, I mean, they're doing the Fox News analysis, obviously, not relying on facts. And the title of their article is? And the title, get the title? somebody helps us online, but I will. But it, but it was a title that was very, uh, spec it was like a, uh, you know, breaking news. Okay, yeah. guest speaker calls all Zionists white supremacists at UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically that's a headline grabber. That's that's yeah, that's the headline from the Jerusalem Post. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll have Professor Abdul Hadi here next week. But if so, she's in town, if she's, if she's in, in town, she promised to be here and talk about this experience. But but I do want to say that this game plan that 
um, pro-Israel forces have been using is very common, Jamal. We've all been through it. You get invited to give a public lecture or speech. You talk about Palestine. You talk about Palestine with dignity, with respect. You talk about Palestine as if Palestinians should have inalienable rights, should have equal rights, should be entitled to the same dignities and freedoms as any other human being. And then people are in the audience setting you up with cameras or questions or to get very emotional because I, I have a feeling that one of the things that we'll find is that there were students in the crowd who didn't feel safe when Professor Abdul Hadi um, was able to speak about white yeah, supremacy. Not, ev not everyone. I, I believe that she was set up and I know the organizations uh, that set her up and this is very common to kind of try to kind of attack you and make you say few things here. However, I have to say that now uh, you have, for example, uh, 400 Jewish community members from across the country just gathered at the New York Marriott in downtown Brooklyn to participate in a one-day event, a taste of the collaboratory, where members of the defund, defund, Islamophobia campaign held signs in front of the hotel that read, Jewish communities say, defund Islamophobia now. So, so there is a campaign by Jewish organizations. Some Jewish organizations. Some Jewish organizations yeah. who now realize that some of these Zionist groups put a lot of money to stalk Islamophobia in this country. So, so they're now speaking against, you know, because remember, when we talked about, for example, right around the corner from here. I was just going to say the, the Jewish, Jewish Community is, Federation yeah, of San Francisco. Right. We found out that they're putting how much? It was over $100 million. $100 million. To fund Islamophobic yeah, projects. Yes. And to fund Canary Mission. Canary Mission. Right. And Campus others. Watch. And others. Horowitz. And they got caught. Yeah, they got caught. Caught because of their tax filings. But unfortunately, S Jamal, let's just say that they got caught and exposed. But unfortunately, their behavior didn't stop. And there are no consequences as of yet that they used 501c3 money, tax-deferred donations, to fund hate. And, you know, that's a story that we're still going to have to tell, obviously. We're, this is a story that... We'll be covering for a long time here. But I just want to say that what happened to Professor Abdul Hadi was a well-orchestrated, well-planned, well-funded attack to set her up to continue the smear campaign. They're smearing her just like they're smearing Ilhan Omar, just like they're smearing Rashida Tlaib. And all three of these women have the same thing in common. That's right. And, and by the way, just to... Uh uh, give some information about this report. You can read an article uh, in Mondawis, and there is a trail. This is also another report by the Council on Islamic-American Relations uh, Care. Looked at the money trail from over 1,000, 1,000 just largely mainstream charities to 39 anti-Muslim groups that it calls the Islamophobia Network. Yeah. This is from their 2019 report called, uh, you know, you found that nearly just $125 million were funneled to these groups 
That's right. 2014, 2016. Of these 1,000 plus charities reviewed, uh, the Jewish Community Federation was the, the eighth largest funder of anti-Muslim groups. They contributed $3.2 million during that period. So, Jamal, how, how is it and that a 501c3 can do this? Well, How they, is it that a 501c3, which is heavily regulated, exactly, which is, you know, where the tax regulations are very strict, where the rules and regulations for filing are very, very well, um, you know, very well described and articulated, how in the world do these groups continue to get away with these tax-deferred, tax-exempt organizations funding hate? They shouldn't get away with it, but they've been getting away with it because exactly they their mission station uh, statement and aside from from um, tax codes, people who give them money, they expect them in return to use this money for good things, for charitable cause, for education, for health, and instead they're using it to stoke Islamophobia in the United States. Let me just tell you something. And these are people. These are names that people are familiar with. So some of the Islamophobes who are funded by the Jewish Communal Fund include Pamela Geller, who writes that Islam is an extreme ideology, the most radicals and extreme ideology on the face of earth. The Clarion Project, which funds virtually anti-Muslim films all over, you know, those films on YouTube and others, it's their production with lies about Islam, about the Prophet Muhammad, about terrorism. They just concoct things. David Horowitz, your favorite, whom the Southern (laughs) Poverty Law Center calls the godfather of the modern anti-Muslim movement. We call him the godfather of hate. Yeah, I call him the godfather of Kaka. <laughs> okay. I think I can say that. Right? I, I don't know if you could say that. No, we no, might I get a little letter from the FEC, so we should be careful then, on that. Then uh, Stephen Emerson, who forged a dossier linking American Muslim groups with terrorism. And Daniel Pipes, another favorite of yours, who claims Muslims wish to impose Islamic law or Sharia, Sharia law, law yeah, in right. the United States. Every time we talk about this topic... Every time we scratch the surface, this is like peeling an onion. Just this is like peeling an onion. Every time we peel, we find something. The stink just keeps coming out. Well, the thing, and it's not gonna. And and in my message, these organizations need to be investigated. I agree. I think the thing that I find really troubling with this is that, especially with the local groups here, the Jewish Community uh, Federation of San Francisco. Well, that's local, but we're talking about even the national level. Yeah, I know. But the reason it's particularly worrisome is because of the way they portray themselves in the Bay Area as this kind of uh, scion or scion, if you will, of human rights, of doing things for the disadvantaged, of protecting people who may be disadvantaged. And I mean, all of the branding around this organization. Well, here I am going to repeat our invitation to them. You're my welcome. invitation to their executive They're director, uh, my invitation to their communication. You're welcome uh, to come here director. anytime. Let them come and explain. They can come anytime. Is this fine with you? I, I, I would welcome Doug Kahn to come on this show. 
Well, he's always welcome to come on Arab Talk. Come and explain to us why you've spent over $100 million instead of spending it on education, on feeding the homeless, on multiple things. Well, how about just what your mission statement says? Uh, and promised, or not promised, you've given also tax benefits to the donors right. from a lousy kind of mission, <laughs> right. right? I mean, these guys also deserve something better if they gave money to help students, to help the poor, to, to feed the hungry, and then you're using this money illegally. Maybe it's not illegal now in the United States. In Canada, now it is, it is illegal. illegal. Yeah. But in the United States, I don't think it's illegal, but we have to see. We need somebody... We need someone to kind of who knows the law more yeah. and take them to task because it's immoral. Yeah, and and I know some of our some of our uh, friends from the JCRC usually listen to our our show, Jamal. Yeah. So I hope they'll get the message out to the leadership. We we would welcome having an open discussion with you. We would welcome having you come in studio, call on the phone, Skype, whatever. We want to hear your side about how you're wrapping around your mind with funding so much hate. I mean, unfortunately, you know, when they promoted Pamela Gell Geller, Jamal, Manager. they helped fund buses, buses, muni buses with hate, with hate messages all over them. So we we are I mean, I'm I extend the open invitation. You can come anytime you want. Let's have a discussion about it. Well, on that note, we, we will continue this. We're coming to another <laughs> End of chapter Arab. of Arab Talk. Uh, keep listening to us. Send us your comments. Follow us on, uh, basically, f follow my page uh, on Facebook. Jamal Dajani uh, 2. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com. You can subscribe for free to all of all of our podcasts, and basically. send us emails if you want send to. Send us your questions. Arab tweet talk. us your questions. Yeah, arabtalk at kpo.com. We'll see you next week.